0: Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. Winter's coming, aren't you glad? Just making sure that you're glad. Now ask the person next to you if they're really glad that winter's coming. We are attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, and we're going to keep doing that until we get there, all right? All in favor say aye. Uh, Dr. Matson is going to uh, lead us in uh, consideration of the word this evening. Aren't you glad he's here? Would you just tell him thank you for being here? Hear that prayer from our hearts. Our lives, our hope, our strength, all that we have is in you. We confess it. We admit it. We declare it. Because it's so. Thank you for receiving what we offer to you. Thank you for um, Mm -hmm. making it possible for us to do so. And now we ask that you would help us hear what it is that you have for us to hear. And that you would help us be the people that you've called us to be. My hope is in you, Lord, in you, it's in you.
1: Well, it's great to see you all here. Uh, Heidi, I'm glad you walked in. I, I notice unusual things. And until Heidi walked in, there was no female sitting in this section at all. And I thought we had done, you know, something uh, to cause some sort of discrimination or something, but (laughs) Heidi came and saved the day, so we're all right. I've got a couple of uh, brief announcements. I know we don't give announcements in chapel, but I've just got a couple of brief ones that you can just not listen to if you don't want announcements in chapel. Uh, I do apologize for any of you who showed up expecting food tonight. That simply means you didn't read The uh, Communicator. Uh, Food is tomorrow night. And uh, so you can come join us tomorrow evening. But here's the really important announcement. Tonight is a very important night. When you walk out of class tonight, after chapel's over, after you've gone back to class, after the class is finished, you will be halfway through this semester. Yeah, really. We've had five weeks and two days and there are two days and five weeks left to go. Aren't you glad I brought that to your attention because you hoped it was only about three weeks till the end of the term, except for the fact you're not quite ready for the end of the term yet, are you? How many of you have all of those exegeticals done? (laughs) Dr. Powers does, that's good. Nola does, she graduated uh, a couple of years ago, so that counts, I suppose. This is a time when, uh, when things get sometimes a little hectic, a little harried. And I don't mean that your hair grows. This is just, this is the winter term, and, and uh, this is the time when it takes every ounce of energy that you have to make it. For some reason, uh, before I I left my office just a few minutes ago, I I happened to glance up at the wall, and and I have uh, some of you may have noticed it does look out of place. It looks unkempt, but. My office is usually a mess anyway. Uh, over on the wall, kind of behind the bookcase, I really tried to hide it, but it just didn't quite work, uh, were some, are, are some sheets of paper from a flip chart that the ASG did in one of uh, our uh, retreats last summer. And, and my eye fell on... Well, the sheet that's in front are some of the things that ASG was hoping to do this year, and and my my eye fell on one line that said, cultivate an environment of perseverance. Uh, How many of you right now feel like uh, you could use a little perseverance to make it to the end because you're only halfway through? Well, I've come to hopefully give you some encouragement tonight. I don't know if you noticed the, the title of the message this evening or not, but uh, what I asked Chaplain like to put on the, the information sheets, the title is simply this, Mastering That Which We Cannot Master. Now there are some of you who may feel about this time of the term that that applies to some of your schoolwork. You're being asked to master that which you cannot master. Uh, you're about to give up. It's just not going, oh, yes, it will work, but I, I think all of you know that, and this is going to cost me, you all know that I have a student that lives in my house with me. And uh, she is, I mean, Sharon, after tonight, you only have one and a half classes to go. Yeah, to graduation. It's only taken her 42 years, but she's going to make it. <laughs> a, a few years ago, she started this process here at NBC. And and uh, I, I'm such an encourager to her. I, I just... This is gonna cost me, I know. We, we, have this, we have this little deal that we started a number of years ago when our kids were home, uh, and I can talk to you who are going to be pastors and, and uh, youth workers and other associates because your kids aren't here to hear this and pick on you about it. We started a deal that uh, if I used Sharon in an illustration in a sermon, I had to pay her five bucks. <laughs> and uh, if I used any of the kids as an illustration, they got by, for, um, I got by for a little cheaper. It only cost me a buck, but this is going to cost me maybe even more than five. Uh, but, but early on, I did give you 20 earlier today, Sharon. I hope you still have that. Uh, <laughs> early on in this process, when Sharon was uh, beginning her sojourn as a student at Nazarene Bible College, Uh, there would come times when I was heading off to bed and she was heading off to the computer. Not to surf the internet, but to sit there in frustration trying to write a title page of a term paper. And and being the encourager that I was, I, I can't tell you how many nights About two o'clock in the morning, I would get up and I would walk out to the loft where she was sitting in front of her computer, sometimes with tears streaming down her face and a blank screen still in front of her. And she'd say, I just can't get this. And being the encourager that I am, I would say, well, just quit. (laughs) It's okay, You you don't have to do this, just quit. Well, I told her at the beginning of this year, I would not say that this year. Uh, Because you see, I want her to complete that goal as I want you to complete the goal. But there's a much more important goal that I wanna talk to you about tonight in the next few minutes. And I I want us to go back to the Old Testament, I wanna go clear back almost to the beginning of the book of Genesis. I want to begin reading with the fourth chapter of Genesis and I I want to read a portion of that story about Cain and Abel. Now if you're one of those individuals who uh, reads the Bible through every year and you're moving to, to move through the Bible and I'm doing that again this year or at least striving to, the fourth chapter of Genesis it comes way back on, on January 2. I mean, it's right after the beginning. It's, it's when, when things are fresh and new. But in actual fact, between Genesis chapter three and Genesis chapter four, there is a period of time. There is that time in which Cain and Abel are born, in which they grow up and which they become adults and they're, they're occupying the time that God has given them. And you know the story and I won't read it all to you, but I I want to read beginning with the last part of uh, verse five. Uh, This relates to the offerings that they had offered. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you do not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. I want to talk to you tonight about mastering sin. Way back, almost at the very beginning, in the first several years of the history of mankind, sin entered the Garden of Eden, Mankind fell, and early on, as early as Acts, or excuse me, yeah, as early as Acts, right. As early as Genesis chapter 4. Thank you for laughing at me. I knew when you applauded at the beginning, it was only a matter of time. Way back at the beginning, in Genesis chapter 4, we begin to already see the story of the effects of sin early in the history of mankind. Chapter four is so near to the beginning that that we don't realize the full impact of time and the growing effects of sin. I want to remind us tonight that sin cannot be isolated nor ignored easily. The effects of Adam and Eve's fall seems to gain momentum as we begin to read through the pages of scripture. And and sin becomes increasingly more devastating. Till we get to this story I, I just want to stop to encourage some of you. Because I, I know that the effects of sin over time does get progressively worse from generation to generation. And there are some of you who sit here tonight in this chapel who are the res, not the result of, but in your life, there are the results of sins of generations in your family. And you sometimes bear the effects of that in your life and in in the way you live and in the way you face life. But the good news is that that can stop here. That can stop with you. The reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that we can live above sin. What was Cain's problem? Why did he look angry and cast down? It was not that he brought a bad gift. It was that he felt his gift had to be best. (laughs) In fact, you could almost say that that Cain had to be number one. Mine's better than yours. None of us here would ever succumb to that, I'm sure. But as, as God talks to him, God gives to him a warning. Sin is crouching at the door. A caution. Sin desires to have you and some good advice. You must master it. But I suggest to you that the history of mankind from Cain to Christ shows us how difficult it is to master sin. You could pick out multiple stories in the Old Testament. We could talk about Noah's day. We could talk about Noah himself. Even after being blessed of God, Noah found himself in a drunken stupor one night. We talk about Moses, chosen by God to lead the people of Israel out of bondage, and yet when faced with the reality of the sin of the people and his brother leading them, he in anger throws down the law of God and breaks it. King Saul, standing head and shoulders above the rest of the crowd, and yet we see him in his final days pitiful, miserable, rejected by man and rejected by God. We can talk of David. The kings of the divided kingdom, Isaiah and the people that he spoke to, Jeremiah and the frustrations that he faced, and the minor prophets in their message all give evidence to the fact that the good advice of God, sin must be mastered, was not being followed. And yet God commands that we be holy individuals. That we be individuals who live lives of holy character and righteousness. God repeatedly told his followers in the Old Testament, be holy. And over and over again, the call of God rings within mankind. Sin desires to have you, but you must master it. The expectation is clear all throughout the pages of the Old Testament and into the New. God tells us that he wants men and women to be men and women of Christian character. However, Old Testament history shows how nearly impossible that is. Paul in the New Testament picks up that theme in the book of Romans, and that's where I really want us to go tonight. In uh, Romans chapters 6 through 8, Paul picks up the theme of mastering sin and our inability to do it. I want to begin reading with a passage from chapter 8, beginning with verse 5. Now we're reading in Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on that which that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Now I want you to really carefully listen to verse 7. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse 8 says, Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came to chapel tonight to get that encouraging word? The the, the sinful mind is hostile to God, it doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Way back in the Old Testament, God said to Cain, you must master sin. And, And we come down to the pages of Romans and Paul says, that's impossible. It just cannot be done the sinful mind is not subject to the law of God. It does not submit to God's law. And those who are controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. What hope is there for us? Well, we sang a few minutes ago, my hope is in you, Lord. My strength is in you. Lord, Our hope is not in our own mastery over that which we cannot master. Our hope is in yielding our entire beings to God so that we will live as verse 9 of Romans 8 says. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit if the Spirit of God lives in you. This is the key to living the way God tells us to live. The key is to be controlled by the Spirit of God living in us. God demands that we master sin, but the only way that we can do that is to yield ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit that can be at work within us. In a somewhat now ancient book by Dr. Donald Metz entitled Studies in Biblical Holiness, Metz says, quote, In the Bible, there is no tension between theory and practice, between principles of conduct and the expression of these principles in life. Acceptable conduct in the kingdom is the outgrowth of holy character, which in turn is a result of an inner renovation coming from the presence of the Holy Spirit. As the expression of the holy character, This inner revolution includes purified intention, spiritual motivation, self-discipline, dedicated affection, open allegiance, generous allowance, and absolute commitment. These qualities should exist in the regenerate, but the experience of regeneration is often weak and spasmodic. The spirit-filled life, the life of holiness, on the other hand, is marked by the strong and consistent expression of Christian graces. I like, that's the end of the quote, I like Metz's statement, this inner revolution. In the class I teach on campus in the fall, one of the the books that we read is just simply entitled, Inside Out. And in that book, the author, while speaking from a psychological and emotional perspective, also speaks of the fact that the only real way to change is from the inside out. The only way that you and I will ever master that which cannot be mastered is to allow the Holy Spirit full and complete control, yielding completely to God and living by the power of the Holy Spirit within us is the way to master sin that crouches at the door, seeking to have us. As we are now halfway through this long term, I want to issue to you tonight again a call. Really the only way we'll make it through is by yielding completely to God. Let the Holy Spirit live and rule in your lives. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would enable us to go in the power of your Holy Spirit, which will allow us to master that which cannot be mastered. By your grace and power alone, we pray in Jesus' name.